I'm Darren Garrahy and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to the comedian who always makes them laugh. Good afternoon, Michal Martin. You're extremely welcome to the Laughs of Your Life podcast. I'd like to challenge you today on the first time you felt laughed at. I would say you probably felt laughed at by me on a number of occasions. All your colleagues are laughing at me now, Mary Lou. Yeah. <laughs> Was that good? Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, very good. The Taoiseach, yes, the leader of the country, Michal Martin, is my guest this week. He talks to me about his son, Michal Oak, being a bit of a looker and the slagging he got over that picture, why he's stone mad for sea swimming and how the smoking ban was inspired by the first ever ministerial pub crawl in New York. I'm delighted to tell you that this season of the Laughs of Your Life podcast is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this spring. And if you do pop in and spot the Made Mindfully symbol, this means the materials FNF used in its products have been produced, grown, or made with a more positive impact on the environment than their conventional alternative. Currently, over half of FNF clothing is made mindfully using responsibly sourced materials. You love to see it. And now for my chat with Antishuk, Michal Martin. I hope you enjoy. Antishuk, Michal Martin. You are extremely welcome to the Laughs for Your Life podcast. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Um, I won't lie to you. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit awkward and a little bit nervous because I can't really understand why you agreed to be on the podcast. I can't either. <laughs> I actually said on the way over, who, who organised this? Whose idea was this? <laughs> I had a sneaking suspicion that you might have been coaxed into it by someone, whether that's a family member who's a listener or some sort of an advisor. Can you reveal? Who, who advised you? I think it's you? probably Paul, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or Deirdre said this would be, you know, you need to show a different side of yourself or whatever. I don't know. Because I, I, I actually hadn't thought about it at all. Right. Until I came back from Germany. Back from Germany last evening. Uh, Maura, my private secretary, hands me a file. What's this about? I said, you're on that tomorrow. <laughs> what? And I thought, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> it was a very serious day yesterday, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, wow. But so is, it, is it nice to kind of do something light? Because it is, it it is light. It's interesting and uh, it made me think. And uh, last I just think a whole lot of things coming through your mind. Yes. Uh, around laughter, humour, uh, personal, your friendships, yeah. your childhood years, your young years and all that kind of thing. Um, and sort of favourite characters and all that, you know. So Now, yeah. do I call you on Taoiseach or do I, do I just call you Michal? Michal would be fine. Will yeah. I? Yeah. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, Thank God. Yeah, Thank yeah. God. God. I was a bit nervous about that. Okay, Michal, can we start with the first question? Yeah. Your first memory of laughter. I don't know. Can I actually tell you I have a first memory of laughter? Uh, I have a sense of humor uh, in our childhood days. Uh, I think my father would have been humorous in his own way. He liked to tell stories. Uh, he would have brought us to good sort of, or not brought us, but directed our attention to a good TV program that might be humorous and so on like that. Um, but um, he was a great storyteller in his own right for his own life his boxing careers and so on so he would have t- told us some great stories about himself and Christy Ring who was a great hurler and father was a boxer and the RG Bargy they would have they played on the same football team um, right. and um, so yeah that, that kind of sense of humour and we're from Cork as well so if you're born in Cork you are born with a sense of humour oh really with all of that it's just there naturally <laughs> I mean you know I mean the Cork accent in itself can be very funny 
uh, and you know, being a politician, I've had all sorts of Cork people come into me in clinics and so on like that. People with different nuances, different accents. Then you go to West Cork, you have a West Cork accent, you have kind of a North Cork accent, an East Cork accent. Uh, so it's a very funny place. Uh, <laughs> if you say so yourself. It is. It's very witty. <laughs> and there's some great sayings and stuff like that, you know. Your dad, yeah. like I'd say a lot of people would be shocked to hear that he was a boxer. I like. I don't think that's a very well-known fact. I would be fairly well-known. No, it certainly would be, well, not younger generations. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he had a tough life in some respects. And I've said this before, his parents died when he was very young and he joined the Irish Army. His two older brothers were in the British Army and one was captured in the prison, as a prisoner of war in in in, the, in, um, in Singapore. And he ended up in a, the Shangi prison camp there. Uh, and the other brother was in, in India. And Jack was quite funny as well. Jack was my brother's step, my father's stepbrother. Jack was very funny. And some of the family would say to us, look, he, the lads call him Tall Tale Jack, you know, because his stories are very good. But I mean, he defined me, his role. He said, I'm a map reader, Michal, he said, you know. And I spent my time in World War II walking around in circles, avoiding conflict. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd go on and tell you a story about some um, general that arrived trying to change this order. You know, they were trying to keep away from the natives, or he, as he would put it himself, and avoid conflict. And then people said, so we have to go forward. And things happened anyway and they went back to normal quite quickly he was very funny um, and uh, so yeah the father became a boxer through his joining the Irish army at about 15 I'd say and yeah. spent four very happy years in Castle Connell he told me came out of the army had learned his boxing trade there and boxed with the Glen Boxing Club in the north side of Cork stayed with his sister who by that stage had got married she'd kept the family together there was younger kids younger brother and sisters who um, Maura would have minded um, and um, he, and the boxing stories were good. I mean, I suppose when when you think about it, these were the stories other people told us. Yeah. You know, the night he beat a famous British boxer, Joe Bygraves, um, who, who later became British Empire Heavyweight Champion, who later went professional, fought Igmar Johansson. These are all big names of the 50s in boxing and the late 40s. Um, and there was always great anecdotes coming out of that. You know, the night he fought Bygraves, there would have been no allegedly 3,000 people in the hall in City Hall or outside people couldn't get in people mimicking the fight outside uh, and all of that and um, so I think though he was good at telling us the stories that he experienced as a boxer he boxed with Ireland in Italy he fought the European champion twice in Milan in Italy and great stories about the Milan fight uh, and subsequent Gaelic football matches a week later you know he'd, he'd get a ribbing that he'd missed a goal and he could have had his name up in lights I think it was Christy <laughs> Ring said this like you, know, you could have got the goal you, you lashed the ball wide and then the father would retort by saying don't you talk to me about having your name up in lights <laughs> went out in Milan yeah. up in lights he says Martini Irlanda versus De Signe Italia then you can talk about having your name up in lights that kind of banter we were yeah. that was told at his wedding uh, by the best man and he subsequently told us years later but it's a good story and there's many others like it you know and I suppose we were reared in that sort of thing around storytelling and a bit of humour You must have thought that was very cool that your dad did that I, I'm not so sure yeah I probably did I don't know we tried it uh, Did you? He, yeah he got us boxing gloves and um, for Christmas and he brought them every year uh, my mother didn't want us to join the boxing club and when we were young in the 60s boxing had declined so we boxed in the front room and favourite trick my older brother was you know those old awkward light switches you probably don't uh, they were really awkward things they were like 
bulbs coming out of the wall. Okay. So if you're in trouble, you get him up against the light switch. The back of his head would hit the light switch and he'd be screaming murder and you were declared the winner. Um, oh but there's all that kind of stuff went down. All the kids would box in the gardens and so on like that. The father would bring down a couple of my friends and we'd all have tournaments. Um, and it was fun. It was fun, yeah. What, you were one of five? One of five, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you in the bang in the middle? I'm a twin. Um, you're a twin, yes. So twin. older brother Sean, who had a tough time really because the twins kind of kept together sometimes and we ganged up on Sean every now and again. Okay. And then uh, two sisters, Maureen and Eileen, who came after us. Michal Martin, the first time you felt laughed at? Yeah, um, I said I was laughed at a lot of times, you know. Uh, <laughs> really? I suppose I was. <laughs> um, to do with sport a lot and uh, especially my hurling or lack of um, really? prowess and so on. Um, I mean... That time, I mean, we would take it fairly easily too, you know. Uh, when I was teenage years, maybe not not a whole lot, but you'd get a ribbing about something. Maybe um, uh, in, in, in we used to have killies in, in close to Chris Street. At that, that time, the teachers were mad into killies every Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, one night and you know they'd be round the man like and uh, of course, yeah. women's choice kind of thing and you were kind of petrified and like would, would the person come over that you wanted to come over <laughs> <laughs> so you got a ribbing on those occasions you know I, mean? I need more detail um, and so on and um, <laughs> or then some other guy coming up to you saying look I think she's uh, and, I, and you don't know what he means like <laughs> what's he talking about and you're frozen <laughs> he wants a bit of action I said like, <laughs> Go away, go away from me, please. <laughs> what were you? Do, do, um, do, do, were you a confident person, like in your in your not, teenage years? I think teenage is probably not overly. I, I was kind of. My mother always said I was the person to compromise, avoided. He didn't like conflict or yeah, fighting or rowing. I'd always kind of compromise. I mean, it was one. I shouldn't say it, it was a big occasion where, not a big occasion. Sorry, it was a five or six of us, few, few pints or whatever. And I was in college, and they thought like some of my friends were not in college, and they would have seen me like kind of buried in medieval history I remember my sister-in-law saying to my brother who's your man over there in the duffel coat talking about medieval history I <laughs> know uh, <laughs> she had a few uh, uh, beverages no she had other words attached to who oh, is right. that you know oh. I, to which my brother he's my twin brother <laughs> sort of thing um, but anyway when they were coming down we had come out of one place and there had been an incident there and two other guys were coming up and um, he was a bit worse for the other guy and he, he was in a, arm was in a sling already right and he kind of wanted to take on my friends and so on like that. And there was a big row and argy bargy. And I kind of intervened and said, you know, lads, is life worth all this? Wow. Very calm. Well, it wasn't. I mean, they all thought I was mad. Like, <laughs> so I got that for months afterwards. And if, you know, there was not a crack. Oh, yeah. Is life worth all this? <laughs> it wasn't regarded as the most <laughs> intelligent, insightful intervention. <laughs> but they got the gist. Uh, we stopped it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mia Martin, a moment where if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. I actually was invited once to address um, the annual conference and exhibition of the Irish Funeral Directors Association as a minister. And I started saying, what? what? Hang on, what minister were you at the time? I don't know. It could be an <laughs> It doesn't matter. It was on a court. Right, okay. And if you're, but sometimes if you're a court based minister, you get invited to different functions, Cork City Business Association, the Simon Community Ball and Dinner. Yes. So, you get invited. so this was a national conference and they wanted a government representative. So I'm going to say to them, what, the, what, what do I say here? And of course, you have to think about they're there for us in our moment of need and mm. all the rest of it. And then I, they wanted a photo call. Uh, and I'm saying, <laughs> Hang on a second, I was thinking of the Phoenix on the front page of the Phoenix, you know, Michal Martin in front of the coffin. Uh, you could imagine the captions that would emanate from that. Oh, uh, and I said to him, look, I said, I'll do a photograph, but we'll do the hearses, not the coffins. 
Right. But then I was amazed. It was whole. See, Silver Springs and Cork had two floors at the time. It was kind of the big exhibition centre at the time, and they're all different types of hearses. And he was busily explaining to me the new types. I know nothing about cars. I'm actually illiterate when it comes to cars. Right. So he's showing this one and that one. And uh, <coughs> I'm sort of saying, uh, OK, OK, we'll do this one. So, so I get photographed. And then he's showing me different coffins, uh, the, the latest in coffins. Um, and we were in partnership with the Greens that time as well in government. And I remember thinking it was very funny. Kind of said the, 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 the um, environmentally friendly coffins, which were kind of coming on the scene. Is it the wicker coffins or the, or the, the decompose and so on into the ground and all of that. And there's obviously brochures with it as well, you know, in idyllic situations underneath the tree. Uh, and um, so I, I gave a speech to the man. It was a very serious speech. Yeah, what do you say? Uh, I was okay. I mean, I kind of went through genuinely the role that a funeral director plays. Yeah, of course. And what was interesting, when you look out at an audience of funeral directors, it's exactly what you expect. Do you know, like what? explain? Sober. It's all really kind of. These, they are actually very somber and kind of. These kind of faces are looking back up at you as if they're at the funeral themselves, right. uh, you know. And uh, but the, the funny thing was that the next event I went to, I started telling the next. I uh, two dinners in the one. I told the next dinner the story, and they all rolled around the place laughing. It was going on and on, and, so, and it was this, and they were just in stitches. And then they came up. The one guy came up. And he said, yeah, "You'd have made a great comedian." He said. <laughs> It's a great story you told us. I said, it's not a story. It just happened earlier. <laughs> and it was always a memorable night I enjoyed. But anyway. <laughs> I love that. The photo call. Do you know what, what I find interesting? The fact that your um, your mind went straight to the cover of The Phoenix. Like, do you find... That time I didn't make the cover of The Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually disappointed then. I'm quite regular now. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, like, is it a case of when you, like, so many things are brought to you, you know, and you're asked to do a million different things Every day, I'm sure. Yeah. And does your mind now automatically go, oh, God, where could this end up? Or how is this going to be no. phrased? Or, no. No, it doesn't really. No. Um, really? Well, I mean, the photograph might, yeah. You do watch the photographs. Oh, sorry, you do watch some of that. Yeah. No, it is. And it's getting to be more attentive to it now. Yeah. Um, it's more politically, dare I say, correct these days. And I think that's problematic in terms of freedom of speech, freedom of media, freedom of comedy. It must yeah. be, it's particularly difficult for comedians, I think, in the modern era, because mm-hmm. um, you know we, we in in our era growing up a lot more was said on in comedy that people are now second guessing and third guessing. I, my own view of those things is that everything belongs to its era. Yeah, I don't think you can censor an era. Yeah, or you can censor the work of an era. It should be laid bare for future generations to watch. Yeah, uncensored, and make your own mind up about it. You yeah. don't have to watch it if you don't wish. And so on. So that's just a general review. You were talking about, um, you know, freedom of speech and that kind of thing and how cancel culture is such a, yeah. a big thing now. Like, do you ever think about your family, for example, and how they sometimes have to be, they don't have to be, but they can be on the receiving end of heat or comments or yeah. how does that, how do you navigate that? How do you kind of, as a dad or a husband go, oh God, like, I don't want this to have a massive effect on their lives. I probably haven't. I mean, they've grown up with it. They don't know any different. Um, yeah, I know. I have to. I think the social media is what I don't like, and I think I keep saying to them, "Get off Twitter." Yeah. Because something is trending, and it, it's creating a momentum that may not be necessarily representative of the broad viewpoints that are across society, and it also leads to a very short-term sort of reaction, mm-hmm. and that we all have to guard against that. Um, but I'm probably more conscious now than I would have been. Um, but I think they have to build up resilience, but they also have to build up their own independence. Of course. Because they have to live their lives as well. And some of the kids will be more sensitive than the other, mm. put it that way. 
um, and um, but I, and they are look they're your kids they're going to watch what's happening of course they do mark your cards and they will say to you uh, I mean right throughout COVID they were giving their perspectives and I think it probably reflected most households I mean it was one kind of one, per, one I won't go through that to one is very much for was with Neffet the whole way you know right. and, and restrictions and guidelines and you must do this and you must do that and had them off by heart the other guy wanted the young guy wanted to break free and that guy was getting <laughs> murdered in the last two months like look at South Africa it's, Omicron is not an issue and I remember at the end of it he kind of said to me like no, no, when are you going to admit that I had it I got it right you know what I mean <laughs> So that goes on everywhere, I think. Yeah. And, uh, so they are engrossed, they are interested, but then they have their own lives as well that they can lead. How did Michal deal with that um, that sudden bit of fame about him being a bit of a looker? What I'd was... say he was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and he got an awful slagging, as we say in Cork, an awful oh slagging gosh. from the teammates at the time. It was everywhere. Yeah, it was. I think it took off because of the marriage equality issue was taking off. And yeah. There was my parliamentary sister, Mary Rose, came to the polling booth and just took a an innocent enough snap yeah. and posted it and it went up to uh, sort of what a viral or whatever it is. <laughs> and um, so and he was gone off for the weekend I think or whatever so he drove for cover to Kerry I think <laughs> <laughs> are you sure he was driving for cover or was he going to meet a few people and uh... well the people he was meeting were going to give him a good old uh, <laughs> roasting. roasting laughing at the whole thing you know? okay Michal Martin your no laughing matter moment in life time where there was no room for laughter well, um, there's a number. I, I mean, it was, it was actually last January, 12 months with the Alpha variant. That was no time for laughter. That month of January was not a good month. Um, and um, just very, very worrying and very hard to pick it up in your mood um, at the time. And you just had to keep with it. And you're ringing key people um, every day um, and um, hoping you can see light at the end of the tunnel, that you can see the springtime coming. And luckily, we just held a line on that, if I'm honest. I think we, we, all our services were stretched. Uh, a lot of lives were lost. We didn't have vaccination in place. And you had this variant that was very virulent and much more transmissible than its predecessor. Um, and our hospitals were under a lot of stress and strain. So that was not a laughing matter. And it was a serious matter. And it was very hard to pick up any humor. And I think bereavement itself is um, very difficult. I don't want to dwell on it too much in this show, but just to simply say that there are times when you lose someone, if you, and I, we lost Rory and Lena, you actually think you'll never laugh again. Mm. And I remember when Rory died, um, it was a cot death. And I always remember that we got lots of supportive uh, comments and callers and people writing to us. And I just remember one morning reading a letter from a teacher who had gone through something similar. And I just say this if there's anybody listening in a similar situation. Uh, at the end of the letter was uh, and don't worry you will smile again now it seemed an odd thing to read and it's something I didn't believe when I read it um, but it's true you do learn to smile again and you will smile again but at that time you have no sense that you ever will how do you um, look after yourself in terms of obviously they were th like those two deaths were so huge and so I, I think I don't, no one can fathom what it feels like unless they've been through it and the fact that you and your family went through it twice how do you navigate that going forward in public life well obviously well in private and public like how do you look after yourself and how does Mary look after herself and how do you pick yourself up and keep going well I think look and again I don't want to dwell too long no. here on this because I'm uh, sensitive to the fact that I haven't always spoken to but, but a, a bit more lately but to simply say that you the most fundamental thing in life is you do have to get up the next morning and um, you 
do get up and uh, after Rory, Mihaly and Eva were very young, they had to have their breakfast. Uh, we had to get up yeah. and we had to make sure that they had their life, uh, notwithstanding what had happened. Um, and children are far more observant than you think. They know the mannerisms of, of their parents. They know something's wrong. They know something's going on. Uh, but that was the beginning of that recovery was was getting up for for your kids uh, and carrying on and i think what i've discovered as well i think the more you get out there and develop a routine and mm. work is important um and, you, and and maybe the longer you leave it the more difficult it can become but you do but you can't rush either so it's, everybody is different by the way and everybody will have their own way of dealing with this uh, i think exercise walking and engaging with nature is very very important and maintaining your friendships and uh, families are very important and uh, that's it, that's how you bit by bit you, you come back it can feel like the last thing you want to do but you just have to do it yes yeah. okay Neil martin the person that you always laugh with Oh, there's many um, good friends, um, particularly in my downtime in, in, in West Cork, Court McSherry, there's, you know, there's some great characters there. Uh, we'd go into the pub for a sing song, go for a walk and there's always a bit of banter in the wit. And there's one guy there who tends to be the, uh, if he arrives into the pub, he'll, he'll shut the whole pub up and insist on having a sing song and telling jokes that may not be funny. Uh, Ross is his name and then there's Humphrey. <laughs> uh, so these people, if you're in their company, they lift you. Uh, and uh, it could be talking about sport. It could be talking about what happened last night. It could be, you know, just having the the crack and so on like that. And uh, so friends, really. Uh, I do the um, breakfast show on 2FM with Donegal Callan. And I have to say, like being around him a lot over the past nine months, Cork people are just sickeningly passionate about Cork. It really sure now, But he's also funny, isn't he? <laughs> It's too much. I don't, actually. I, I, I actually proved, you proved my point. I mean, <laughs> he's very funny. He's like, witty. He's cork. <laughs> they can do no wrong. Do you feel kind of like, do you feel a bit more minded in cork? Like, you know, I'm sure there's other counties in Ireland you go to and you might get an L heckle or you might get, uh, you know, some comment about whatever. Is it? Is ah, yeah, it, a bit. Yeah. I, mean, I love cork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I walk the streets of cork. I love the streets of cork. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I think I was just talking the other day. You know, my grandparents, when they came up from East Cork on my mother's side, would have um, moved to the inner city, South Parish first, Dunbar Street. It's all the old, oldest part of the city, and then moved up to Turners Cross. Um, and all their cousins followed them. So it was a big kind of clan. Right. And then we joined Nemo Rangers and we did different things and went to the same schools. And, um, you know, that, that whole area of Turner's Cross, Ballyfehan, great communities, uh, played soccer together, played Gaia together. We used to go to uh, Musgrave Park and see a rugby match. Like in Cork, you play everything as well, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah, you know, like <laughs> in some counties just do Gaelic football, some counties just oh, do right. soccer, some do oh, hurling. Yeah. Cork does it all. Oh, really? Oh, okay. um, oh, and right. uh, I remember, you know, I broke my front <laughs> tooth. I have a crown for years because I was trying to play rugby on concrete. Um, <laughs> that's what you do in environments like this. If it's the Six Nations time as children, somebody got a rugby ball. You know, right. soccer was the more consistent sport you played on the streets. <laughs> but if the Six Nations came on, you did a bit of rugby. Fans, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we weren't <laughs> from the rugby background. Bang! And I'll always remember it. Uh, two cracks. Mother screaming. Uh, he's lost his lovely front tooth. So then you're going to the dentist and get the crown in and so on like that for for, for years afterwards. It seemed. So you're a bit mad uh, as well in Cork. No, not really, just reasonable. No, but, right. I mean, that's the time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Cork is is is, is welcoming. No, you 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 they'll take you down to size very quickly if you have notions. Okay, like okay, that's think, good. Yeah, it is very good that way. If you get any notions, you won't survive. Right. In Cork, and you, that's it. 
That's good. You know, yeah, it's very good, very positive. Miel Martin, a time where you had the last laugh. I don't know. Um, ah, you do. I don't really. Oh, but do you know what? I yeah. might, I might suggest one for you. Yeah. I suppose you would have received like massive amounts of backlash with the Smoking Man. And look, and look at it now and the success it's been and, True, the, and actually, the leader yeah, you know yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the way it led the world really yeah absolutely that's true and, and, and I remember during that everyone said it couldn't happen and yeah. um, <laughs> being to New York I, I mean I the, the hospitality alliance was formed I think the tobacco industry was involved in that can't prove it or anything like that but anyways the hospitality alliance went to New York they said thousands of jobs would be lost in Ireland disaster in New York Bloomberg had brought it in for the city of New York right uh, Michael Bloomberg is mayor so I said to our staff we better go to New York and find out it's the first time I'd said it was never offici- an official ministerial pub crawl of New York because <laughs> I, we went to New York and I started doing the pubs so I talked to and there was a temporary young lad behind didn't know me and I said how did the old smoking ban go here like and so on and he said first month was difficult he said it's been a dream ever since really? very clean so we don't have to do the same washing, you know, hoovering and all this kind of stuff. And the furniture is protected more and so on like that. And then we met some other people then in New York who were still saying, you know, and I met Bloomberg and the officials and so on like that, the health officials in New York who told us, I, we asked them what would they do differently? And they said, we wouldn't have worried as much. The people really? will enforce this. Uh, but the, the, I thought we had the last laugh there because we were told there'd be all sorts of shenanigans happening. And I remember then on the morning of the smoking ban, it's probably one of the nicest stories, Jerry Ryan, the late Jerry Ryan, mm. uh, sent um, uh, one of his uh, reporters or whatever into a Dockers pub at about six in the morning or whatever in Dublin. And the uh, barman is watching the scene unfold and she produces the cigarette packet, puts it on the counter um, and um, takes out the cigarette, thinks she's going to get away with it. Smoking ban is going to be broken on day one. And then she's about to do the lighter and the barman says, no, sorry, today is the beginning of the smoking ban. You can't smoke. And when that story was told later on the Jerry Ryan show, the whole Department of Health went up in arms cheering. uh, And we went across to Mulligan's across the road, which was our (laughs) pub, who was totally compliant, of course, because all his business was in the Department of Health and an advocate for all of this. (laughs) And needs must uh, and so on. And um, but that was Jerry Ryan for you. And we said, if that's the case, it's going to work. Yeah. And it's it has. Work. And it has, yeah. It has, yeah. Miel Martin, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Oh, I think swimming in the sea. Oh, oh you're one of those? Yes. Oh, for uh, God's sake. I think actually we probably came from the sea. <laughs> you mean like cork people or humans? Humans generally. Yeah, no, wait, that's yeah. a known fact. It's not just cork <clears throat> people. It's a really known fact. It is. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes when I go underwater, I just feel this home. This is it. Uh, Do you really go in the sea? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Often? No, I mean all summer. Okay. I don't have the time now as teacher or whatever to go into, you know. <laughs> into the sea although I will like when the weather gets better I will do that and uh, I find it very very therapeutic if I'm honest do you? yeah and especially when you put the head under the water uh, and um, Dunworley Bay is my favourite uh, Red Strand across the other side of Clannacilty Cominole in uh, Kerry uh, and there's beaches all over Ireland of course uh, coming old from my childhood days when the school went down to Kirkogina on, on for a month in 72 and a month in 73 with great times there and we got toured around Slayhead and all that but the sea is magic uh, for the mind I think mm. and then this getting out the whole ritual of okay getting in is a bit more difficult okay you have to gently get in I'm not one of these people that splash in no but getting out then and then drying and the whole ritual of drying yourself and sitting in an old chair and the sand is in between the toes yeah, and you're just watching the sun setting you know and um, that to me is heaven and okay. maybe a pint after it and so oh lovely yeah. 
Okay, uh, Mia Martin, one thing about Ireland that makes you laugh. About Ireland? Does a herd mentality there? Herd mentality? We have that. I know it doesn't make you laugh or cry sometimes, but... <laughs> I'd so say in your case cry to be We honest. can get to a narrative really quickly you know um, whether it's beating the English and rugby or whatever you know or great moments but I think what yeah um, that, that that sort of you know I, can, I think we can laugh at ourselves maybe is, is a good way of putting it Yeah You know We don't take ourselves too seriously There are times we don't take ourselves too seriously you know uh, I'm in Italian 90 uh, you're too young for that now Darren, but I, mean, <laughs> I am very young That was a marvellous occasion you know uh, <laughs> and I remember the butchers giving out the butchers yeah the butchers gave out because all the money was being spent out in Italy right and, and, and lots of other things other than meat <laughs> <laughs> like the, the sausages and rashers was, was the, I remember someone telling me this in Middleton where I where Mary was from and it's very serious it just goes on if they qualify this is getting very serious wow like they budgeted for the group matches would be you know people choose their spending right <laughs> And there was people, all sorts of people getting over to the various matches and then they qualify. Yes. It's getting okay. very serious for the local butcher. <laughs> <laughs> now, Neil Martin, th- there are laughter questions. I do have a quick fire round that I'm going to ask you about. Okay, yeah, yeah. But before I move on, I don't mean to crowbar this in, but I can't, and this isn't prime time, right? Yeah. But I can't let you go without just mentioning at least one serious thing. Because I, I, we have to just address something. And I thought, what am I going to talk to him now so that people don't listen to the interview and go, oh, she... but like, it's a laughter podcast. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to ask the hard questions anyway. But I thought to myself, what is the thing in my friend WhatsApp group that is the hot topic that we're all kind of giving out about or wondering about or worried about? And it's housing. Housing, yeah. I'm 30 this year and all my friends are, are around that age and they're, whether they're engaged, they're getting married or they're single or whatever. It's a massive worry. It is, yeah. And so what would you say to say my friends or people my age who have that worry and how do we navigate it? We've got to build more and more houses in as many as we possibly can. Now that sounds simple, but it is. And that's the way to do it. We've already produced a housing for all strategy in the last six months. The more important point of that though is we've got to deliver it. Okay, we've got to get to about 35,000, if not more per annum. The The strategy says 33. We've commenced 31 in 2021, mm-hmm. but we've only completed 20. It's not enough. Like we're a year and a half in government. To me, this is the biggest crisis facing us. Your generation need access to housing. My generation had access to housing. We could buy at affordable rates. You could rent at affordable rates. The younger generation cannot at the moment. It's not on. It's not good enough. We've got to deal with it. There's only one way to deal with it is that put all hands on deck. And it's, so as far as I'm concerned, we have to build more social houses, affordable houses, more private rental, private houses, cost rental, uh, all a- avenues. And we all have to think twice about saying, I don't want it over there and I don't like it there. I think like there is no escaping the reality. This is the biggest crisis facing the country socially. And we have to put all hands on deck. We've asked all state departments, uh, agencies, have you spare land that you need to give to us at the centre? to build more houses. So the Secretary General of my department with the Secretary General of Finance, Public Expenditure, uh, the skills area are all tasked with streams of work to make sure we get the investment in, both private and public, which we have the public, we've earmarked that, but to deliver the thing because we have planning uh, of, you know, process which has to be gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to shorten this and accelerate all those processes uh, because people need housing and they need housing quickly. The, go- the, the positive this year is that 31,000 did commence, houses did commence um, in 2021. It's looking good, there's about 40,000 planning commissions granted. So 2022 looks good. 
Um, we we got only 20,000 was completed last year, 20,400. Okay, the lockdown was a problem in 2021 and the lockdown in 2020. But we're out of that now. The employment in construction is back before pre-pandemic levels and apprenticeships in construction are up 40%. So we are building the capacity to build at the level that we need to build every year for the next 10 years. We need to be you know, getting to the 33, 35,000, if not more, on an annual basis from 20. Next year will be big, I think. We'll get definitely 25, if not more. Uh, and then beyond that, it has to be in the 30s. Uh, and then we have the shared equity schemes and other schemes to help people, to help to buy a scheme, to help people to afford. There's a new local authority housing loan for people who can't get loans from the banks to get to go to your local authority and get a loan to try and help you get a house or an apartment that might meet your circumstances. But it is a huge issue. Okay. Are you ready for a quick fire round? <laughs> back to the crack. Back now, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> back to the crack. Okay, Mio Martin. Yeah. The, the, actor that, the actor that you always laugh at. David Jason, Only Fools and Horses. Love it. Uh, John Cleese. Yeah, great. Keep going back to that. <laughs> Arthur Lord, Dad's Army. I know I'm dating myself here. No, now, you're not. But, uh, and, um, do you like watching comedy? Like, would, it, would you switch I do, off? Yeah, I yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yeah. Okay, the yeah. actress that you always laugh at. Pauline McGlynn, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, Mrs. Doyle. And um, yeah. the best, I think. Yeah, uh, we've, we've produced. Characterization, yeah. Yeah. Uh, superb. The movie that makes you laugh out loud. Well, there's lots of them. The Italian job. Mm. Michael Caine, I always liked his humour. Love him. The comedian that you always laugh at. Oh, uh, there's many. Um, um, I think Mario Rosenstock, I like. Do you? Uh, I do, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I'm, there was a piece he did on me in 211. And he made me the auto outfit. <laughs> And it was after the general election of 2011 and we were going over in that election and we needed a bit of humour. And he takes off Vincent Brown, myself and Willie O'Dea in the one clip. I don't know if you ever see it. I don't know if, I don't know if I've seen that one. And it's, it's kind of taking the mick out of me in terms of taking off the Chinese. I tried to take off a Chinese accent and was filmed doing it. Not, not a good event. No. I recommend it. No. Uh, so Vincent or Mario decides to do a piece on that then. Right. And um, it went kind of viral. The kids loved it at the time. They thought, Did they? They thought it was the highlight of the election. <laughs> <laughs> we needed some highlights but and Willie he does a great Willie O'Dea in it and uh, does a great Vincent Brown in it and doesn't do it too bad myself either you don't mind people doing impersonations of you who in the doll doesn't like it that you know of because I mean Oliver between Oliver and Mario actually I do a Mary Lou do you I do yeah yeah, yeah. Like that. Sorry. will I do it do yeah, yeah okay yeah. Good afternoon, Michal Martin. You're extremely welcome to the Laughs of Your Life <laughs> podcast. I'd like to challenge you today on the first time you felt laughed at. I would say you probably felt laughed at by me on a number of occasions. Oh, your colleagues are laughing at me now, Mary Lou. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was that good? Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Heard that before. That's very good. Okay, your yeah. final, your final question. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah. Your best or worst joke, Miel Martin? <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you could do a Tommy Cooper one, you know. Oh, go on, yeah. Uh, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I sleep like a baby. He says. Every morning I wake up screaming at two o'clock. <laughs> very good. Or how long will my skip it? Spaghetti be, you know. The waiter says, I don't know, we never measure, you know. <laughs> That's Tommy Cooper, you know. That's just. Uh, uh, I won't lie, I won't lie, me on. You, your, your delivery isn't great. No, I don't want to take him off, like, because I'm warned by all my advisors do not, do not take off anybody. And my family have warned me as well. Have they? <laughs> 
ever since the Chinese incident. Do not oh, take off anybody. It. Chinese ambassador at the time was very good about it. Um, at the time, I didn't know I was being filmed at the time. You know. Oh God. Um, you don't want to get cancelled. We won't get cancelled on the laughs of your life because it's you know we're not about that here. Not at all. No, I know that. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy that? I did. It went very fast. It didn't fly by. Did, yeah, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Laughter is the best medicine. Exactly. <laughs> Mia Martin, thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life. Thank you indeed. Take care. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Laughs of Your Life podcast with Antishuk, Michal Martin. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please do like, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. Don't forget, our new release day for the show is Mondays. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And this season of the Laughs of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Laughs of Your Life.